Hi, welcome to the cottage. We are a lively outpouring of an exciting adventure into God's riches and glories in Christ Jesus. We really work to activate an excitement for the kingdom of God as it is in the now until it comes into its fullness. We invite you to our sessions to explore the heights and depths of God's love in a fuller bandwidth. I'm Dr. Ken, the pastor of a small independent church seeking to return to the Lord's zeal in times where apathy and lethargy rule the day of the complacent. We try to shake things up and offer a temporary home as we travel this sod until we reach higher ground and connect into the everlasting life from above, here on the earth as it is in heaven. For more information, you can email us at thecottage at dken.cc. That is thecottage at dken.cc. Hi. Welcome back to the cottage as we continue our Song of Ascent series with Psalm 128 on happiness. We hope you enjoy this series and will listen to the remaining episodes as they release. God bless you. We're continuing our discipleship series, the Songs of Ascent. We're in number nine tonight, so we're making our way. Uh, we're at Psalm 128 on happiness. Again, we're following that book by uh, Dr. Peterson that's in the back. So we started off with the first five, getting to Jerusalem. The next five is arriving at the gates and making our way through the city to finally arrive at the temple, and they're constantly going up. They view that going through that way as going up to God, because that's where God dwells. So that models God and their ascent. So they're going to the highest place and obviously, you remember the temptations with Jesus and Satan took him to the highest place in the temple. Kind of that's in play there. So anyway, they've arrived and they're standing at the gate and they're working their way through and headed toward the temple. And tonight's subject is happiness. Happiness is where we're at tonight. And so we did security, how we're soundly surrounded, joy unspeakable and full of glory, work back to what works and that's God and now. Happiness, to go with the flow, to go with the flow. Psalm 128, 1 through 6. Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways, for thou shalt eat the labor of thine hands. Happy, happy shalt thou be, and it shall be well with thee. The wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Behold, that thou shalt, uh, that thus shall the man be blessed that feareth the Lord. The Lord shall bless thee out of Zion, and thou shalt see the good of Jerusalem all the days of thy life. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children, and peace be upon Israel. Notice they're singing this song, and they've reached into Jerusalem, and they've gotten to this place. And so they just need to stay. Stay in the flow of what God wants to do. And sometimes it's hard. We get distracted. It's hard to find that peace that Dad just prayed about. Now, we talked about uh, G.K. Chesterton earlier. Uh, and we talked about how he said that the reason why uh, Christianity doesn't seem to work is it's not because it fails. It's just that we fail to practice it. And here's another quote by G.K. Chesterton from his book on orthodoxy. That, the previous quote was from What's Wrong with the World? Joy, which was the small 
publicity of the pagan is the gigantic secret of the Christian. I believe we have another book, and these books are from Gary, but we have another book on the secret, right, of Christian life. You have that back there? Yes, he's even forgotten. There you go, see? He's even forgotten. So, And he asked us all to read it. And it's right back there. And it's right next to Dr. Peterson, so I couldn't help but pull out this quote from Chesterton. So, joy for the, the pagan. And think about how the world views happiness. How the world views happiness, but we have the corner of the market on it. It's our gigantic secret, and I would encourage you to read that other book if you're looking for that. And so Peterson says, in the course of Christian discipleship, we discover that without Christ, we're doing it the hard way. And that with Christ, we're doing it the easy way. It's not Christians who have it hard, but non-Christians. And I always remember, there's been several points in our lives that my mother has always said, I don't know how people do this kind of stuff without Jesus. I don't know how they do this without Jesus. How? And so it's not the fact of this life, because we all live the same life. It's the fact of whether we do it with Christ or without. And sometimes we get frustrated and we do it without Christ. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. It goes back to that fruit language. That the apple tree is not forcing themselves to produce apples. It's just a natural process where we have excess flowing. It's the excess of the spirit, the excess of the sap. The life that that tree is pulling from the ground, pulling from the sun, pulling from the air, pulling from the water, pulling from all these things, and it's coming together as life, and it's that excess that the tree does not need that is hanging out there for the world to taste and see how good our God is. But without Christ, we can't do it. And that's our problem. And that's what we all, including myself, we all have to be reminded of Christ. Because without him, we can't do it. They have a momentary, momentary joy. It only lasts for a moment. What is that energy drink you drink? (laughs) You get that sugar rush. You get that caffeine. But then what happens when it's over. you got to drink another one. So then when do you sleep? <laughs> you don't. But we're looking for those rushes. And what the secret to the Christian life is, in the ups and in the downs we can have, if we go with the flow of God, we can have the joy, despite whether we're up or we're down. It's not easy. It's not easy, but it can be had. It can be had. Verse 8 of John 15. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples. This is what I want. I want you to have excess. I want you to have surplus. I want you to have overflow of my spirit. That's how we know you're a disciple. Whether you have excess. Overflow of the spirit. Where people taste and see that God is good. Not that we're good. That God is good. 
I have the argument sometimes with my wife because she likes to eat parts of the plant that I'm like, and parts of the animal I'm like. But I don't think we like to chew on, but they do over there. In some parts they chew on the tree branch because there's something inside that tree branch that's good for you. But we would not eat the tree branch. We want the apple. <laughs> we want the apple. But there's some nutrients in there, apparently, in some of those tree branches. Because they sell them in the market and everything. You can chew on them. They're supposed to be help you. Crazy. They eat things that we would never eat. But it's bearing fruit. That's how we know we're a disciple, to bear fruit. It's not always easy to do it, but it should be the flow in our lives. Now, in Genesis 1.28, what's the commandment that God says? And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply. Again, it's to be fruitful. No matter what, produce that fruit. You may have a bad day. But don't make it a bad week. <laughs> don't make it a bad week. Be fruitful even in those times that it's tough. Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl there, over every living thing that moveth on the earth. God says, I give you this earth and from it I want you to bring life from the dead just like I do. When he reached in that darkness, in that water, and he pulled that earth out and from that everything, all the animals were made and humans were made out of the earth. And then he says, now out of that same earth, I want you to bring forth life from the dead. Model what I'm doing. It's not easy. Especially what happened with Adam and Eve. It's not easy. By the sweat of our brow, do we do it? It's not easy. It's a struggle. That's the name of God's people. Israel means to struggle. It's a struggle. We fight with ourselves. We fight with other people and we fight with God and the enemy, and the powers. We fight with all kinds of things. It's a struggle. Not easy. But he's asking us to tame, to take a piece of dirt that's a jungle, cultivate it by putting a fence around it to keep out the bad critters, which is what Adam and Eve did not do. They did not kick the snake out. They let the snake in. And sometimes we do that. But we got to kick it out. Put our fence around, start digging, cultivating, taking out the stones, taking out that which is not useful and then putting in the seeds that are useful and make a garden like the Garden of Eden. That's how the Bible teaches us what it means to be a disciple of Christ, to be like God, creator, to bring life from the dead. It's not easy, but it can be done. What about Genesis 12, 2 with Abraham? I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And fill the whole earth full of God's glory to be that blessing, to be the, the channel by which I'm going to allow that fruit to flow, that spirit to flow, that blessing from heaven to come through you. Through you, Abraham, everyone else is going to be blessed. Now, Abraham didn't always get it right, did he? Found himself down in Egypt. Gave his wife away. That didn't work out too well. Again, finds himself in Philistia. Gave his wife away again. His wife says, let's do Ishmael. Sometimes we do Ishmael. 
It's not what God wants. But God still gives us Isaac anyway. Sometimes we produce the Ishmaels. And God says, that's okay. But I'm still going to give you Isaac. It may take longer, but I'm going to give it to you. To be the channel of God's blessing upon the face of the earth. Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call the heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you, thou, and thy seed may live. The blessing. The life. Choose it. I chose Abraham and said, you want to do this? And Abraham followed me. Now, Moses is saying, I'm getting out of here. You got a choice. Multiple choice test. You got to choose which one? And every day we make choices. And sometimes we make the wrong choice. But God is ever forgiving and allows us to come back and make the right choice and get us back on track. Because you can be distracted. We're talking about leaving the city gate and trying to get to the temple. And it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to get distracted. I've been has anybody seen that uh, TV show, The Chosen? Anybody watch that? There's an interesting uh, story in there, line, of how, uh, and I'm not sure they get it right, because I'm not sure that, that, that the zealots were in the time of Christ. I think scholarship has now discovered the zealots come later. But the disciple that's often understood as Simon the Zealot is off to commit murder, an assassination attempt. And that's how they tell his story. And in that assassination attempt, he encounters a work of God that causes him to stop dead in his tracks. And sometimes God has to stop us dead in our tracks. And even though we were on a bad trajectory, he wants to turn us aside to another way. So instead of Simon killing that man, he's able to instead go with his family to another part of the city. Where he intended to go, because you can get distracted. Thinking just like Saul. Saul was distracted, thinking he was helping God out, just like he was doing in Ishmael, killing Christians. To the point that says, you're going into the city, huh? <laughs> to kill Christians. No, you're going in the city to become a Christian. I'm going to change your trajectory. So just as we can get off track, we can get on track. Just as easy as to get off track, we can get right back on track. And he is telling us here to choose. And when given the chance, Saul repented. When given the chance, Simon repented. When given the chance, they repent. And God is able to get them back on track of what he intended for them. John 10.10. 10. I often like to use this verse. The thief cometh not but the, for to steal, to kill, and destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Abundant life. Abundant life. The Pharisees is the thief here. According to John 10, the context, the thief is the Pharisee who's preventing them from getting to life. Who's distracted. Such that the Pharisees were distracting the people in Jesus' day from reaching God. 
They thought they were going to the temple and doing what God wanted. They were going to the temple, but as Jeremiah says, they were not <laughs> going to God. You can even go to the temple and still not go to God. You can go to church and miss God. The Pharisees missed it. It's possible for us to miss this. And what they do is end up in death. They rob the people from the opportunity they have to experience what God wants. And Jesus said, I have come to give you life, an abundant life, to give you the joy. Just go in my flow. So there are people making this trek through the city to the temple, and they're still not getting it right. They're still not getting it right. Johannes Peterson in his book, Israel, It's Life and Culture, says, The action of God does not fall outside, but at the very center of the soul. That which it gives us is not something external, but the energy, the power of creating it. The action of God does not fall outside, but at the very center of the soul. That which it gives us, not something external, but the energy, the power of creating it. See, sometimes we, I, I get into it, caught up in externals. Things aren't going our way. But God is not working on externals. He's working here. He's working here. God is always working on us to move us. We want God to move mountains and we want God to move this and we want God to move that. What God wants is to move us. To move us. The blessing thus comprises the power to live in its deepest and most comprehensive sense. This in here. To live in this. Not in this. This is not our world. Things in this world are not going to go our way. As a matter of fact... (laughs) We're called to go the other way. That's the introduction to the chosen. You see all the fish going one way and you see one fish going another way. We're called to do it differently. Blessing. This blessing is the vital power without which no living being can even exist. God gives us the very life and the very breath. It's at the core of our being, at the fiber of our being. God gives it to us. It's up to us to experience it. We, all of us, fail because we're looking at the externals. The government's not doing this and that's not doing this and this and that. I get confused. Have they arrested Trump or not? I hate to bring that up, but Ed told me they arrested Trump and I don't think they have. It doesn't matter because that's the government. What matters? What is that going to do for us? It doesn't matter. Lock her up, lock him up, lock them. That's externals. What God is looking is for in here. What can he change in here? And out of here, what can he do out there? We're talking about doing it in here. Changing in here. Changing me. Changing you. We're all in need of change. So he can move us to where he wants to take us. He's trying to move us at the very center of our soul. It's not based on the externals. Life consists in the constant meeting of the souls, which must share their contents with each other. The blessed gives 
to the others because the strength instinctively pours from him and up around him. The characteristic of blessing is to multiply. He wants to spread. God wants to fill the whole earth full of his glory. Full. An outflow. An overflow. A pouring. My wife was telling me the other day the filter wasn't working. She had to clean the water filter. Sometimes the water filter needs to be cleaned so it can work. Sometimes we need to be cleaned. We get stuff that gets stuck in our lives and we have to flush it out. Flush it out. So then God, again, God's flow can flow through us. Just like the tree branches that need to be the sap put on and the medicine put on to continue to be able to produce. Back to Peterson. Too much of the world's happiness depends on taking from one to satisfy another. I love this. The world's, the pagan's view of happiness is to take from someone else. To increase, excuse me, I got this off again. Different slide, I guess. To increase my standard of living, people in another part of the world must lower theirs. To increase my standard of living, people in another part of the world must lower theirs. The worldwide crisis of hunger that we face today is a result of what? Of that method of pursuing that happiness. There's enough food on the planet to take care of. There's no need for one person to starve in this world. We have everything we need. Read Peterson. He'll tell you. He lays it all out. We have the technology. We have everything we need to feed the entire world. Starving people are not because there's not enough food. And we all know that. Even in America. Trying to explain to my wife that there are homeless people in America. She's like, impossible. Impossible. It's whether or not we're choosing in our pursuit of happiness at the risk of someone else to take from them so that we have excess. That's the opposite of what we just discussed that Christians are to do. They're supposed to give their excess so those who are hungry can eat. That's what an apple tree does. It takes from God what it needs. It produces apples to give to the deer or us or whoever's going to eat the apple. That's, that's how God set this thing up. That's how God set this thing up. But we're not operating in this. This is what's happening to us because we're consumers. Acts 20, verse 35. I have sold you all things. How that so laboring you ought to support the weak, Paul says. And to remember the words of our Lord Jesus that are not recorded anywhere else in the Bible. You won't find this in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Paul says the words of the Lord Jesus. How he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the model. To be givers. Not takers. To give. That's what Jesus did on the cross. He gave his life away so that we could receive eternal life. He experienced our death so we could experience his life. That's what's happening here. That's what's happening. 
Peterson goes on and says, not a day goes by, but what we have to deal with, that the ancient triple threat that Christians in the Middle Ages summarized under the headings of the world, the flesh and the devil. These are the three things that the ancients back in the Middle Ages said, still plaguing us today. The world, the flesh, and the devil. These things are getting at us. Not a day goes by, but that we have to deal with this triple threat. The world, the society and proud, arrogant humankind that defies and tries to eliminate God's rule and presence in history. They want to delete God. They're trying to rewrite the Bible. They make the Bible what it's not. The flesh, the corruption that sin has introduced into our very appetites and instincts. The stuff we got to have. The stuff we got to have. That's driving us crazy. Because we got to have all this stuff. And the devil. This is all right out of that book. Just go get the book. Find the chapter on 128. And the devil, the malignant will that tempts and seduces us away from the will of God. And boy, he does a good job, doesn't he? And we all fall prey. Hook, line, and sinker. And he pulls us away. Remember I told you? Proverbs 18 10, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and they're safe. And Satan tries to get us to come out. And boy, he gets us out. And then we're in trouble. Because when he gets us out, then he hammers us. He makes sure to hammer us when he gets us outside the will of God. He will get us and he'll get all those whom we love when we get outside of God's will. But the way of faith itself is in tune with what God has done in the past and what he's doing right now and dare I say what he will do. The way of faith is to get in sync with what God's already done and what he is doing. And that's what we've been trying to do since January in 2023, trying to get into the flow of what God wants to do in this place. I don't know what it is fully. I'm just walking by faith, not by sight, into what God wants to do. I didn't read this entire book before we did this study. No, I just knew that God wanted to do this. Out of tune? Oh, no, I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me. <laughs> I did it my way. That's out of tune. We're not in sync with heaven. We're not in sync with all those Christians around the world. Gary mentioned the persecuted. We're not in sync with them. We're trying to do our own thing. And it will not work. It will, doing it your way will only give you a moment of happiness. How many people can say that? They had one moment of happiness and it ruined their entire lives. We do it all the time. Trust me, I'm an expert at this. I probably got 10 PhDs in this. Blessed, verse 1, is everyone that feareth that feareth the Lord and walketh in his ways, being in sync with him, in step with him. 
as we said from Galatians 5, to walk in step with the Spirit. Peterson goes on. Peterson goes on. Will we let God be as he is? Will we let God be as he is, majestic and holy, vast and wondrous, or will we always be trying to whittle him down to the size of our small minds? Like, God, I have to know what you're doing, and if you don't tell me, I'm going to make up a story. What's God doing? Like, we could really figure that one out. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. As far as the heaven is from the earth, you're not going to get it. You're not intending to get it. That's above your pay grade. There's no way you're going to know. So just let me do this. Stop making God small. That's what he's telling us tonight. Stop making God small. Insist on confining him within the boundaries we are comfortable with. We want God to be our buddy. Comfortable with him. And refuse to think of him other than in images that we are convenient to what the way we want to live. We make God to be what we want so we can live life our way and then we wonder why we're not happy and we're wondering why it's not working. Because we're trying to tell God how to do his job. Ignoring when God is trying to tell us to do ours. The job that he has for us. We're so busy telling God. I had a moment like that this week. I told God... (laughs) Didn't go so well. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus under good works with God, hath before ordained that we should walk in those. That's what we're supposed to be doing. He's already planned this out a long time ago. What we're supposed to be doing. He knows. Somebody asked me today where I work. says, oh, what are you preaching on over there at Cottage Hills? Did you do any kind of series? I said, yeah, I'm doing a series. I said, the introduction was seven parts. <laughs> so we're doing 15 psalms for Lent. I said, the first to- psalm took three parts. <laughs> I said, wow, that's a long series. I said, God plays the long game. Which means his joy, his happiness, going with him will be long. A long obedience is the title of the book. A long obedience. He's already mapped this out for us. We are, we keep saying, Hebrews chapter 12, the race that he has marked out for us, let us run that race. Peterson goes on. The way is plain. Walk in it. Wow. I love that. The way is plain. Just walk in it. Keeping the rules and obeying the commands is only common sense. It's only common sense. Thou shalt not murder. Common sense. You don't hurt somebody else. Common sense is always asking us to do unto others as we would do, have them do unto us. Common sense. It's not that hard. H.H. Farmer says, if you go against the grain of the universe, you're going to get splinters. (laughs) Ouch. Ever get a splinter? Don't go against the grain. It's only going to be painful. I'm talking about the grain of the universe in the sense of the God of the universe. (laughs) Not what Satan sells us because we're all suckers for that. And he keeps getting us to buy into his crap. 
So again, we're at a crossroads. But in this sense, if you're at this crossroads, how do you go north? There's no road. If you're at this crossroads, how do you go north? How do you go straight? But some of us think, well, I got to go that way, so I'll put it in four-wheel drive and just drive through someone's yard, through their house. It's happened. Trust me, my brother said there's been numbers of people in Alton that will drive a truck or a car right through your front door. It's happened numerous times. But that's what we want to do. I got to do it my way. As if God can't take you another route. That's what I'm talking about. Going with the flow. Maybe to get where you're going, you don't need to go straight. He'll take you around the block and he'll take you a better way. That's what I love about Siri. She'll tell me, go this way and go that way. Why? Because Siri knows that there's something on the road that I don't need to be involved in. So Siri takes me around. But she tells me, you're still on the best route. God will take you around and you'll still be on the best route. But sometimes we pile through. I want this and I want that and I want. And God says, you really don't know what you want. Stop trying to go north when the road that God has for you is causing you to turn to the side, away from danger. Get ye, Isaiah 30, verse 11, get ye out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. Turn, repent, change, move. Move. Verse 15, Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus saith the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, and returning and rest shall ye be saved. Don't go crazy. Drive through someone's house. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. It's hard, isn't it? <laughs> you want to be that noise out of tune, right? I get out of tune. My wife's like, uh, I get out of tune. My brother's like, my parents are like, he's out of tune. He's having one of those moments, making a lot of noise, but not making any sense. In returning and rest, you shall be saved. In quietness and in confidence shall be your strength. Here's the kicker. And you would not. We did this with Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. One of my friend's favorite verses in the whole Bible is Jeremiah 6, 16. About how we should take the ancient roads. We talked about that in previous sessions. Same ending, that verse, and you would not. They wouldn't do it. The question is, will you and I do it? Are we still going to insist on having it our way? Because that's the kicker, those last four words of that verse. And you would not. Which means, if you go back, look at the first part of the verse, you will not be saved. You will not be saved from the danger that's ahead. Verse 21, Isaiah 30, 21. And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee, saying, This is the way, walk ye in it. And when you turn to the right hand or the left, God's going to guide you. He will tell you which way to go. Trust in Him. He will lead you. And even when you make a mistake, 
His grace is there to help you get back on track, get back up, and get where he wants to take you. For all of us, when we make those mistakes, Peterson goes on, but religion is an inconvenience only to those who are traveling against the grain of creation. Oh, it's all these rules. I can't do this and I can't do that. It's cross purposes with what, with the way that leads to redemption. Religion is an inconvenience only to those who are traveling against the rain, only to those who are at cross purposes with the way that leads to redemption. Only those who want to rebel against God. Because God knows where you need to be and when you need to be there. Let's go the way of God. Go with the flow. That is where our true happiness lies. Father, we thank you for this word tonight. Sometimes we get cross-eyed. <laughs> Whatever, cross we get cross with one another. We get cross from what you want. We think that we're just going to do our thing. And it doesn't work out. But just like the prodigal son who found his way home, you offer us a better way anytime we're willing to take it. Even if we make a small hiccup here and there, just like we did with our children, you're going to love us. And bring us in the place that we need to be. Thank you for your grace that covers our mistakes. Thank you for your grace that gets us back into the place where we need to be. To do what you want us to do. Help us, Father, to see what you desire from us. Sometimes it's so hard to see that we do have to walk by faith. We cannot walk by sight. And we probably would not take that path if we knew what was going to be met when we took those steps. But because it's dark and you take us through that way, we go and trusting you, we find it's the better way after all. Taking the narrow way, not the wide path that leads to destruction. Help us, Father, to make this climb to get through the city and to get to your temple. We got one more step to go, Sunday school. One more step before we reach your house. And then what are we going to do when we get there, Father? Help us to get to where you want us to go and to go with the flow. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Hallelujah. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this broadcast. You can find out more about us at DKIN. Dot cc that's d k e n dot cc we look forward to seeing you next time god bless you